Hey, hey, how's everyone doing? That's a lot of red in the crowd. I like it. That's good. Um, Jesus tells stories, and they are phenomenal stories. They're stories that have a cliffhanger. They're stories that kind of have a, a, a hero that you didn't expect. They are stories that you didn't know how it was going to end, and then it just, bam, hits you. And now you're wrestling with this story that Jesus told, and you're wondering how it fits into your life. Now, stories of Jesus were stories about the kingdom. In fact, a lot of his stories began with the kingdom of heaven is like this, and he would proceed to tell a story, or the kingdom of heaven is like this, and he would tell them a story. Now, uh, kingdom is an important word for us today uh, because the chief's kingdom exists, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, this is going to sound like a no-brainer, but kingdom actually implies that there's a king. Okay, so I'm just wondering who the king is of Chief's kingdom. Is it Pat Mahomes, obviously a really important person on the team, but is he king? Or is it, uh, is it someone like Big Red, you know? Or is it, is it Clark? Is it Frank Clark? You know, he's the vocal one that we love. And, uh, or is it Clark Hunt, the one who really signs the paychecks? Because that's probably the king, you know? Now, kingdoms imply a king. Right? And so these stories about God's kingdom imply Jesus is, is telling them there's a king for this kingdom. There's a king, there's a kingdom, there's a reign and rule of this kingdom, and I represent this kingdom, is what Jesus says. I represent this kingdom. Now, these stories often interrupted something. We, we were all rudely interrupted about a year ago. We had this Super Bowl run. And then the Patriots happened. And you just, you just needed more time. And Pat didn't see the field. And there was this thing. And then there was a, a literal interruption called D Ford. Dude, you know, and we've rid ourselves of the Patriots. We've rid ourselves of D Ford. Uh, but these interruptions happen, right? And they are something that you have to grab. When an interruption happens, it's like driving over a speed bump. If you go like you're normally driving over that speed bump, you're in trouble. Uh, I grew up in South Olathe here, and there was a neighborhood at 151st um, and uh, Sheridan Bridge, so just, uh, just east of kind of the Garmin complex. And, uh, and people were driving fast down Sheridan Bridge Lane, and so they put these speed mountains in, is what we call them. And leave it to me and my, I didn't do this, but leave it to me and my teenage counterparts they were doing tracks in people's yards around the speed bumps, okay? And so eventually the city was like, okay, young drivers, you win. And they took the speed bumps out, you know, this ultimate like, like undo of taking the speed bumps out. Now, I, I say that to say, to help you see that when these interruptions happen, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. And Jesus' hearers, the people who heard his stories, had to pay attention to this new thing that Jesus was telling them. Now, today we come to uh, a story about seeds. Seeds are small and represent something big. Like in, in any case, the plant represented by a seed is bigger than the actual seed. And so they represent something. They represent potential, right? So this story, we're going to read it, and Jesus doesn't explain a lot of his stories. This one he does, 
It's really fascinating. It shows up in each of uh, the Gospels, which are the stories that follow Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, And so uh, we're going to read the story and then see what God has for us in it. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Here's what Jesus says. A sower went out to sow seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Jesus' stories always used these metaphors. They were uh, agrarian, they were sheep, they were grapevines. They were things that people would readily kind of understand and knew. If Jesus was telling stories in 2020, he would use Super Bowl commercials and TikTok, you know. He would just use the things that we are current with and use those to describe his father's kingdom. And so we, being a couple thousand years removed, we, gotta, we have to jump into these metaphors and understand what Jesus means by these things. Now, um, Seeds uh, are small, but they represent something big. And they represent actually an interruption to the ground around them when successful. This is a picture of some redwood seeds that you're going to see here on the screen. And, and they are, the average redwood pine cone is actually, so a redwood is massive, but the redwood pine cone is about an inch to an inch and a half tall. Within a redwood pine cone is about 250 seeds. Uh, I found out this is where a lot of seed analogies break down, but of those 250 seeds, only 15% of them are actually viable, uh, and there's not, each one is not as potent as the next one. Just interesting, free redwood information that you can wow people with at your Super Bowl party later. (laughs) But it is wild, right, that the seed represents what you're going to see in the next picture, which is a towering 250-foot-tall redwood. I was laying on the dusty dirt in Yosemite this last fall, taking this picture, and people were just kind of walking by, like, what's the guy doing laying on, his gr- on the ground? And it was for this moment, because I wanted this to be my desktop background. I wanted this to be the thing I remembered about the majesty and the grandeur of the Redwoods. was stunned to learn that Redwoods require a level of breaking for that pine cone to ever open, generally a disaster like fire, generally something heat-related that unlocks the pine cone. There's actually no way for that pine cone to open and emerge except for fire, which is just fascinating on so many levels. Redwoods uh, need community. Uh, You don't see, like, solitary redwoods. Their root structures are connected, you know? And so these fascinating lessons from seeds. And I love what Jesus tells. He says the story of the sower is that seed fell. And sometimes it's scattered on some sidewalk areas, some pavement. And other times it fell onto rocky areas. I do have to avoid the communion elements. (laughs) This is my own little Pat Mahomes moment. Do I have the accuracy to? But so he's he's got sidewalks, he's got rocks. He says some of the seed fell into kind of thorny ground. And the thorns grew and choked out what was growing there. And then ultimately, some of it just fell onto really good, rich soil. Now, this is, 
This is indiscriminate, reckless sowing, in my opinion. Because I would find the deep, dark, rich patch of soil and just like empty the satchel, right? But this sower just sows it everywhere. Because seed is valuable, but it's also plenty. And Jesus says, when he unpacks this parable, he says, the seed is the word of God. And so he's not being reckless with the word of God, but he is infinite. And he is all-powerful, and he can throw his seed wherever. A seed. (laughs) So small I dropped it. A seed actually experiences something when it goes into the ground. Now, all the conditions have to matter. Uh, The soil, the, uh, the amount of water, the amount of sunlight. Some seeds actually need sunlight to germinate. And then the seed actually undergoes a, a breaking, like a literal death is what the seed experiences. And within the seed is actually a blueprint. And within this seed is the blueprint for a future tree. But we can't stop there. I don't stop there because within the blueprint of this tree, this seed is a tree, yes, and all the bajillion seeds that go along with it. And so in my hand, I hold a forest. And so this idea of a seed is a picture of unlimited potential and access to a beautiful future, a forest, if you will. The disciples ask Jesus, and they just ask him, what does this parable mean? And he tells them that the seed that fell onto the path was just eaten by birds. And the birds represented the devil who ate the seed that fell on the pathway. The second um, seed fell onto rocky areas. And this was deceiving because there was a thin layer of soil on the rocky area, so it looked good, but there was no chance for a root to emerge because it would just hit rock as soon as it got through that layer of thin soil. The third type of ground that the seed fell onto was the thorny ground, and Jesus says this represents the pleasures and cares and worries of this life that choked any new growth. And then finally, the good soil, which it fell into. A seed is an interruption to the status quo. A seed means literally something is rupturing in the ground. For us, for me specifically, this week has been a week of rupture. It was uh, a week ago, Sunday night, 6 p.m., when I was in a friend's uh, family room and he asked me, have you heard about Kobe? And I, I didn't know what he meant. Somehow I had been insulated from the news that whole day. and It's like it's global grief that's going on along with this situation. I think uh, uh, President Obama said it best. Here's what he said on a tweet Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> Kobe was a legend on the court and just getting started in what would have been just as meaningful a second act. To lose 
Gianna is even more heartbreaking to us as parents. Michelle and I send love and prayers to Vanessa and the entire Bryant family on an unthinkable day. Pretty quickly, we were flooded with these images of a father and a daughter courtside, embracing. Now, I grew up in the middle, and so Kobe was my nemesis. (laughs) I didn't care for Kobe. He was a a punk, 18-year-old, when he entered the league. But something happened over the course of two decades, and he was far from perfect. But I saw him commit to something later in life that was really beautiful, which was fathering and being a husband and giving away to the next generation of basketball players. And so this week has, you know, represented grief for a lot of people uh, in that regard. When Kobe and Gianna and seven others were tragically taken from this earth. It made, us, it made me hug Adeline, my one-and-a-half-year-old, a little bit tighter. Now, that's an interruption, and it's really interesting to me to see the world react and how they deal with the interruption of grief. We as a church body were interrupted last week. Dan is like a close friend and mentor of mine. 15 years of friendship, mentoring. Like, I don't, I couldn't speak on a stage like this without Dan's coaching and mentoring. Like, he was just a phenomenal friend and leader. And all of a sudden, there's this, like, interruption where something's happening in the ground. The status quo is being kind of moved around, and something's happening. Beautiful for him. Perhaps beautiful for us is the question I want to ask you. Definitely beautiful for us. I can see the light in Dan's eyes as he embraces a new call for his life. I can see the light in our staff's eyes and elders and all the people around here, their eyes, as we think about a beautiful future. But those are, those are eruptions. Those are things that are happening, interruptions that cause us to not speed past it, but slow down and take note. What, what is going on? What's going on in this moment? Good soil is, uh, is really interesting because good soil smells really bad. Good soil is manure. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it for you. Good soil is previously used banana peels that have sat in a compost deal and become nutrient-rich soil. And so Jesus says that some of the seed that the sower sowed fell into good soil. And as it fell into good soil, it fell into a place where it could experience growth, right? So what, what is God interrupting your life with right now? My guess is that it's not something that you want to think about, but it's something that you're supposed to think about. And that good soil is not cultivated right now. You can't say, I'm going to be good soil, and that happened but it's actually a process. And you're here, you're committed to a process of your heart becoming good soil. For me, I wanna fix other people's soil. (laughs) 
I want to make sure that my kids and coworkers and friends and neighbors, that their soil is good. And really, that's not my job. I'm in charge of one person's soil. Mine. It was a few years ago where I noticed that uh, I was keeping a lot of plates spinning. Anxiety, nerves were kind of really getting to be bigger. And I, I just needed help. I knew the answer was Jesus. I knew I needed to spend more time with Jesus. So I went to a mentor, Dennis Waite. He's a, um, a friend in town. And I said, Pastor Waite, I, I just need, I need, I need to leave your office with a plan for how to spend more time with Jesus. And it looks like once a month, extended time with Jesus. I just need you to help me figure that out. And, uh, and he listened to me really graciously. He's like a grandfather type personality. He sat in his rocking chair and um, and he just said to me, you, you want a monthly practice that will help you feel better about your anxiety? <laughs> I said, yes. Can you do that? He says, he didn't say son, but it felt like he said son. He said, son, you need this every day. And Unless you water your heart with solitude and quiet every day, like this is going to fail. And he, so I came in hoping for a plan and he tightened the screws on me and just said, no, I'm calling you to something higher. Now, thankfully, something had been cultivated and that seed fell into good soil and I realized, okay, I need to embrace that. And what began was just a a discipline of solitude which is being alone, and I'm an extrovert. So being alone is not necessarily like this happy, fun time, but there is this sense that this is, this is Jesus, this person who didn't need a place of solitude but chose a place of solitude, and what would my life look like if I did that? It was the beginning of a tremendously fruitful season where I just saw that God was meeting me in the quiet, So what's, what's the interruption for you? What's God getting your attention with? What status quo of soil in your heart is kind of being moved around by something that's been planted? It's not on you, but it's on you to pay attention to what's happening and partner with God, you know? So I have a few reflective questions for you. I'm going to invite the band to come out and and play, uh, and I'm going to read these questions to you and then give you about a minute just to think about them. You might want to uh, write them down or figure out a way to process these later in your week. Uh, but there are questions that will help you unearth what is, what is the interruption. Here's the first one. Is there an interruption in your life right now? Is there a seed attempting to germinate? Is there an interruption in your life right now? Is there a seed attempting to germinate? I'm going to make sure the band heard me. Uh, Band, come on out. (laughs) This is your cue. Second question is this, is what kind of ground is my life, is in my life right now? Can you identify with the first ground that is the, uh, the sidewalk? Can you identify with the ground that is rocky or thorny? Like the thorns are the quickest one for me to kind of connect with and realize, okay, there's some things that need to be cut out of my life so that the seed can grow. Thorns. 
So what kind of ground is your life? And then the last question here is this. What will you do to react to the interruption of God in your life? I love this quote. Uh, This quote comes from Chuck Swindoll. It says, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I think that's the story of a seed. Like the ground can do whatever it wants, but there's something happening and how the ground receives the seed is really the primary work, you know? It's not up to the seed, it's up to the ground to support the growth of that seed. So return to those questions, please there, Hannah. Thank you. Is there an interruption in your life right now? Is there something that God is trying to grow? What kind of ground is in your life? And what will you do to react to the interruption of God in your life? The, uh, The beam knocker here for this story, which is the surprising ending, is that Jesus says 100-fold. Now, in, in Palestinian first-century times, a expected return on a seal was 7 to 10. Ecstatic was like 15-fold. Everyone's getting a new pair of shoes. 15-fold return on our harvest. That's awesome. But then Jesus says 100-fold will be the return on the seed that's planted in good soil. That's a brain breaker for the people that heard it, that didn't compute. They had never heard of a 100-fold return before in their lives. And so now you see why this is okay. Now you see why this indiscriminate sowing is just fine with the sower. Because when this sucker lands, when it takes root, game on. There's going to be a harvest where you're calling your friends over to help you with this harvest. There's going to be a moment of rich return for this seed that plants. As the band plays, we're going to give you just a minute of silence to consider those questions and consider what might be the hundredfold return in your life today.